Welcome to the Legal One podcast, brought to you by Legal One, the leader in school law training in the state of New Jersey. Legal One is part of the NJPSA and FEA family, so we are thrilled to be offering this podcast to you as a way to help you gain a greater understanding of critical legal issues. We want to provide you with convenient, easy access to essential information. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, so it provides a timely way for you to get information. In each episode, we're going to be reviewing critical legal principles based on case law, statute, regulation, or other key guidance. We'll talk about why that issue matters today and how the law has evolved. We'll talk about key steps in working with parents and other critical stakeholders to positively address the issues in question. And we'll give you more information. We'll give you resources so that you can access online courses and other events and know how to get a greater level of understanding of these issues. So let's get started. And thank you so much for joining us for the Legal One podcast. My name is David Nash. I'm the director of the Legal One program, and I want to welcome all of our listeners to this episode of the Legal One podcast. As we begin a new school year, the 2022-23 school year, we know that school districts are thinking very closely about how to keep all of our children, all of our staff members, all of our community members that they interact with as safe as possible and that we understand the latest health protocols that school districts will need to follow for the 2022-23 school year. We have, of course, seen many positive developments uh, over this past year regarding health issues that school districts have been grappling with for the last two and a half years. Uh, We have seen important steps forward regarding coronavirus. We have seen important steps forward as far as vaccination levels for staff members and students in our community. So we thought this was a very important time for us to help our listeners understand where we are related to school reopening and public health guidance. We know that over the summer of 2022 and early July, the New Jersey Department of Health did issue guidance for school districts that guidance did lay out important steps. We know that in August, the CDC issued revised guidance for school districts. We know that the governor issued a new executive order in August of 2022 that addresses issues of vaccination requirements that had been in place for school employees. And we know that again, on August 19th of 2022, the CDC um, issued guidance on a new issue that we are all working to understand regarding monkeypox and the role of schools in addressing that challenge. As we discuss these issues today, there is no one that I would rather have with us than Dr. Wayne Yankis. Uh, Dr. Yankis has been an incredible partner for us at Legal One for many years now a school physician with tremendous expertise and experience, is currently working with the Ridgewood and Leonia school districts, is a former president of the New Jersey chapter of the American Academy in Pediatrics, and has been a leader in New Jersey and nationwide on issues of school health. So Dr. Yankis, thank you so much as always for being with us. Delighted to be here and assist with the program. So as we begin our conversation today, we know that school districts want to understand with the reopening of school for the 2022-23 school year, what do we need to be doing now related to COVID? So Dr. Yankis, we know that Governor Murphy back on August 15th 
issued a new executive order lifting the testing mandate that had been in place for unvaccinated school employees so that there is no longer a statewide requirement. The governor did, as part of that executive order, allow school districts to still have in place vaccination requirements for school employees, but the statewide mandate was lifted on that issue. So can you talk a little bit about that issue and perhaps the fact that there could be some concern uh, from parents and others um, that we no longer have this requirement in place? Uh, talk a little bit about the, the rationale behind this. We understand that in the third year of the pandemic, we have achieved a certain level of immunization in adults and older children that has allowed for some of these changes to be affected and to take place safely. We have to understand going forward with this next school year that we are going to continue to live with COVID. And we are going to also find that as the school year progresses, some of the things we haven't seen in force such as influenza will also be part of that year. We also have to remember that what we have learned in the progression of 2019 to 2022 is that there has been a series of uncoordinated messages from the Department of Health, the CDC and the governor. But in the end run, all health proposals for schools are local. That is to say the incidence of disease in your system, your town, your county, is really what you're going to be following going forward. It may be different in another county in New Jersey. For instance, the most recent statistics still show high transmission of COVID in northeastern New Jersey, but less so in central west New Jersey. Does that mean that northeastern New Jersey children have to wear masks in school and others don't? That depends on the numbers of illness statistics in your school and faculty absence. By and large, we have learned that the Department of Health has lifted the curtain for most of the restrictions that were in effect in 2019, 2020, and 2021. But again, I repeat, all this is local and it's going to depend going into the cold weather and the school year how well your immunization levels are and how good you are at following the statistics. So Dr. Yankis, can you talk a little bit about the importance of information sharing at this stage in the process? So for example, if children are exhibiting uh, some of the symptoms that we have learned are associated with coronavirus, uh, sharing that information with uh, school personnel and how important that is, or if a school employee is experiencing um, some of those symptoms that we have learned are associated with coronavirus. The importance of making sure that we are getting um, accurate, timely information regarding that issue. We need to be very clear to families and faculty that the one thing that has never changed pre-COVID during COVID, or certainly when we reach post-COVID, is if you're sick, stay home. Sick people do not belong in congregate settings to spread whatever virus or disease they have. That never changed. However, what has changed is that with home testing, as opposed to the PCR and the testing that was done by the Department of Health, where your information was shared, 
the information on testing is now private within the family and families need to be willing to share that information with school so that if you are positive for COVID, that we are able to at least measure the number of positive cases in school. Uh, and that would be certainly true of faculty families as well. I think what's going to be important for this new school year and sharing information is the willingness to do it. And that by doing so, you are not penalized for sharing and keeping information to yourself only spreads the disease and keeps the pandemic or endemic going longer. So one of the challenges that we have, of course, uh, for students uh, and adults in the school setting is that it, it may uh, happen that at some point you are a close contact with an individual who has tested positive for COVID. Um, and the guidance that we have received over the summer from the CDC really revises how uh, school districts should look to address individuals who are close contacts of somebody who has tested positive. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about um, how school districts should look at that issue now for a student or staff member who has been in close contact with someone who is COVID positive? What we did during the pandemic was if you were sick, you isolated. If you were exposed to the sick person, you quarantined. We have essentially lifted quarantine for people who are exposed to the sick person. The sick person still stays home because they are sick. But if you've been exposed to a sick person and are immunized, you are free to go about your business. If you are unimmunized and not sick and asymptomatic, you are still free to go about your life. That is the major change. However, should an exposed person become ill, they too then are isolated for that five-day period that is still recommended and should be tested at the end of the five days. We're looking to stop disease. So it's going to be important for everybody to follow the guidelines in your town by your Department of Health, working with your school system. Should you have high transmission, the rules may be different than they are for another town that has low transmission. But again, quarantine has been essentially put aside, but isolation has not. One of the issues that's not new for schools, but has become somewhat challenging as we've all tried to work through uh, the COVID pandemic, is the issue of existing immunization requirements for students. Um, and we did see a, a significant drop at one point in the number of students who were up to date with those existing immunization requirements. Uh, can you talk about that issue, Dr. Yankis, and why it's important uh, for us to make sure that students are up to date with those requirements? This is, uh, as a pediatrician, one of the most important things we can do to protect our children and our schools. Nothing changed during the pandemic regarding immunization rules in the state of New Jersey for the standard school required immunizations. Let me repeat, nothing changed. So that the tetanus requirements, the hepatitis B requirements are all still in place. Provisional admission for students that fail to complete immunizations still exist, but provisional admission means you've had one of every required vaccination. Otherwise, you are denied entry to school 
next week. The important thing to remember is that in spite of COVID, we recognize that a lot of people did not go to their pediatrician or physicians to be immunized as they would have on a regular basis. This will be a challenge for school nurses and administrators to follow the rules that are in place for immunization requirements for each school year. New Jersey does not have a philosophical exemption to immunizations. There is a religious exemption and there is a medical exemption. That is it. And therefore, recognizing we've had outbreaks of measles in counties that border New Jersey, it is important for us to remember that we maintain a firm approach to immunization requirements for schools. Every pediatric office is prepared to get a student ready for school and get those immunizations done. But let me repeat, those rules did not change during COVID and are still in place for kindergartners and sixth graders especially. We will have new people coming to school from out of state and out of country. There are provisions for them as well, but beyond the time uh, uh, listed in those requirements, 30 days for out of state, and none for in-state transfers, uh, we expect schools to start on day one with an immunized population. We know that for many years, uh, schools have had to grapple with uh, outbreaks of the flu at various times, and some years are more challenging than others. Uh, we also know that during the COVID pandemic, there was a drastic reduction in the number of individuals who came down with the flu. Uh, can we talk about some of the lessons that perhaps we have learned over these past two years about steps that we can take to reduce the potential for flu outbreaks? When you think about it, in I believe it was 2020, we only had 2,000 cases of influenza in the state, which is remarkable. But what happened in 2020? We were washing our hands and singing happy birthday twice, and we were washing them often. Everybody was wearing a mask. We didn't have congregate settings. People stayed home. Group activities were canceled. Sports were canceled. Wrestling, things that were intimate contact didn't happen. As a consequence, viruses that are spread by uh, respiratory contact or respiratory droplets, saliva, et cetera, had a tremendous drop. And what was the lesson we learned? Well, it's sort of the lesson that everybody's mother taught you a long time ago. Wash your hands, you know, uh, after you blow your nose, uh, throw the Kleenex away, stay away from me if you're sick, cover your mouth with your elbow when you cough or sneeze and pay attention. Those methods of personal hygiene really did put a tremendous dent in not only influenza, but the common cold. Some people went whole seasons without colds, uh, which was, again, remarkable. We are, of course, seeing the shift. Now that people have taken the masks off, they're not as good about using the alcohol wipes or the uh, alcohol uh, pumps that are available for kids to use if they don't have sinks to wash their hands. And of course, the six-foot rule is gone, as well as in school, we expect that most of the barrier methods will be gone. So again, we expect to see some of those seasonal diseases to return. But the lesson was very clear. Simple hygiene prevented them from happening.
So as we are thinking about um, perhaps hopefully moving to a much better place in regard to coronavirus, there are new diseases and new issues that emerge uh, that we need to be aware of. And now the national attention in many ways has uh, shifted to monkeypox. Can you talk a little bit about what we mean by monkeypox and how school districts should be thinking about this issue? Monkeypox is a virus and it's in the category of smallpox, but certainly not fatal usually and not as serious. However, people with monkeypox will form pox or pustules uh, on part of their body that was in contact with the virus. In most cases, uh, it has been men having sex with men. Uh, therefore, the pox have been in genital areas, anal areas, hands, face, etc. However, this virus does live for a short period of time on cloth, which many viruses do not. And as a consequence, using towels, sheets, bedclothes, things that somebody with it has touched, uh, you potentially could pick up monkeypox. Now, the word monkeypox, I mean, we probably could have another word for it besides monkey. The only case of monkeypox I have ever seen was from a Christian missionary in Africa who was shearing sheep, and the sheep gave it to him, and it was on his hands. But it is disabling while you have it. You are also sick with it, headache, fever, etc. And where we expect to see it in schools, if at all, because right now it's very low transmission among children, but we have to acknowledge there are gay parents, there are gay students, and we may well, in a population that has sex with multiple partners, straight and gay, that we may begin to see some of this in school. It is still very low level concern at the moment for schools. But for those people that have it, there is an immunization that is being issued. And there is T-pox, which is a uh, antiviral medication that is available. But again, we've fortunately seen very few children nation nationally or internationally that have picked up this disease. So Dr. Yankis, you are always such a calming voice on these issues. Um, I know that you have been involved firsthand as school physician um, in two different school districts. Can you just share some uh, words perhaps of support um, and wisdom for our school nurses and the tremendous pressures that have been placed on them over the last couple of years? And, and perhaps just talk about some recognition of, of how hard they have been working um, and ways school districts can be supportive of our school nurses. We are blessed in New Jersey to have certified school nurses who are trained to deal with school health populations. And the good news is that they rose to the occasion when they had to do contact tracing, work with the Department of Health, deal with anxious parents, deal with the fact that children did still get sick with other diseases during the course of the year, colds, some obviously did have uh, the usual run of the mill stuff and asthma and whatever, as well as teach. Let's not forget, our certified nurses do a lot of health teaching in school, and they were asked to expand their work to deal with faculty as well. And we had a large number of faculty in the state of New Jersey 
who were seeking exemptions to teaching other than virtual during the pandemic because of their own health needs or the health needs of the partners and people they lived with. The bad news, of course, is that for many of these nurses, it simply beat them down. People were angry. They were mad. It became very difficult to deal with some families and parents. And then, of course, people were not always truthful. And you, you found that the nurses were very often in the midst of a lot of disagreements between administration and what is essentially good health recommendation. My comment for this coming school year for your school nurses is please be nice. Just be nice to them. They do much more than pass out ice packs and band-aids. They are the infection control people of every school building. They are in charge of the health and safety of kids. And it is unbelievable what they've had to deal with in the last three years. But like most health trained people, they work best with teamwork. So I would urge administrators to please don't be adversarial, but form teams with your nurses. Most people in medicine, anyone with hospital training, certainly learned that the best way to take care of patients is to work as a team. And so I would encourage school and school employees to do the same, whether it's the head of maintenance or whether it's the head of the you know, principal's union, I, I would suggest please work with your nurses don't work against them. Be nice. So again, let me thank you, Dr. Yankis, for all of the time that you have given to working with school leaders, teachers, parents, uh, students, everyone in our school setting uh, for many years. Uh, that You've devoted your life and your career to this issue, um, but you certainly have gone above and beyond over these last couple of years as we've struggled to understand and address the pandemic. For our listeners to our podcast, we do want you to be aware that we are posting on the Legal One website some links to additional resources for those who would like additional information. And we encourage you to go to the Legal One website at www.njpsa.org slash legal1nj. Uh, we do have a specific link for the Legal One podcast. And it does include some very useful information on the issues that we have discussed today um, and gives links to uh, each of our podcast episodes for those who would like additional information. I do want to thank all of our listeners as well for taking the time to um, listen to our Legal One podcast. We know how valuable your time is. We want to be here for you every step of the way. Uh, we look forward to having you with us for future episodes of the Legal One podcast. For all of our, our listeners, we ask you to be safe, be well, and we look forward to having you with us in the future. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on the topics we covered, a full list of episodes, or a preview of upcoming topics, please visit our website at www.njpsa.org legal1nj.